the unicameral update. Published by the Unicameral Information Office under the direction of the Clerk of the Legislature. Welcome to the Interim Catch-Up. The goal of these bonus episodes is to provide perspective on the intricacies of the Nebraska Unicameral and the people who make up the 49 members via one-on-one -on -one interviews. Welcome, Senator. Could you please introduce yourself for the listeners? Uh, Myron Dorn, M-Y-R-O-N and D-O-R-N. They usually have a spell it. I have, uh, represent District 30, which is all of Gage County and part of Lancaster, town of Hickman, and it comes up in Lincoln over by the Costco store. Senator, the first question I have for you is, what aspect of being a senator did you not expect going in? Or what would the average Nebraskan not realize about Nebraska state politics? Well, one of the first things was the first year learning that when you walked down the hallway, people would call you senator. And I'd, I'd look around and go, who are they talking to? And it took a while to get used to that. You know, I was amazed at how much people recognize, yes, that is a senator, and that, to me, I was still the same person. I hadn't changed. But yet, here in Nebraska, then, you are now that person elected from that district. And uh, some of the people that really follow politics, some of the general public, even from your district, there, it's almost like it's, oh, you're this special guy, and yet I'm not. I'm just the same person. And I try to be the same person I always was. Love to visit with people. Love to do that. Probably the thing that's not surprised me the most, I knew it would take a lot of time, visited with some people and got a little bit of an understanding of that. If you want to put the time into it, you can put a tremendous amount of time into it. And it's how you manage that schedule and how you work with your family and do those types of things. Some of the senators that are, they're not here anymore, they talk to me about, you know, the conversations they had with their, their wives or their family, and they didn't think they were taking that much time away. But afterwards, they realized, yes, it takes a lot of time. What is your approach to constituent services? And how do you go about helping the more than 40,000 people you represent? Well, that's, that's a really interesting question because uh, as I came to Lincoln today, I get a phone call and <laughs> it wasn't one of those, oh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Here's how I have an issue. You know, my staff, my office, we try to reply to every email that we know as a constituent. We'll get a lot that aren't. I try to return all my phone calls that I know are constituents, even that I don't know. I think if people made the effort and the time to visit us, to get a hold of us, part of what they are looking for, part of what their thing that they would like to have done is, what kind of response do you have? Or will they even look at the question? And I think that's important that we do that. We're, we are here to serve our constituents and other constituents. I didn't do this much first year, but my staff has taught me much that sometimes if they're looking for specific things, now we'll direct them to the federal people, uh, Devisher, Ricketts, some of those, or we'll direct them to state agencies. I don't remember doing it as much early on, but they're very good at it, that these would be the people that would really be able to give you a better answer than I could. Many senators would say you're easygoing or personable, and it's evident you have made strong connections on both sides of the political aisle. What about a senator makes those connections possible, and how does it help facilitate the legislative process? I've always tried to learn the whole issue, not just, oh, I'm definitely this way and that's how I'm going to be no matter what. I've also tried to always look at the other aspect of it. Generally, there's more than one side to an issue or whatever, and try at least be knowledgeable about it and have an understanding of it so that I'm comfortable in the decision I did make, that that for me was the right decision. You know, I enjoy visiting with people. I have heard from a few other people that sometimes I'm too easygoing and I go, 
well, I've had some good arguments or good discussions with people. Those people maybe you need to visit with too every now and then. You are often seen as a key swing vote on some issues due to your connections with other members. What is going through your mind when issues are coming down to a few votes? Are you looking at the board to see where others are voting, or are you decided by the time the roll is called? Hopefully by that time, generally, I've thought through the issues, through the different discussions, through the comments made, and then I'm comfortable with my decision that I've made. Just as kind of a humorous part of this, I often look at a few of the senators that no matter what here, they vote 100% over here on this column, and I go, boy, that would be so easy. Everybody knows it. Now you don't have to worry about, is this the right decision for me as, as I'm here serving in this legislature? Is this what I really think, what I really feel? Is this my thoughts and philosophies? Instead, they're over here and there's, I could pick out four, six, eight senators that you pretty much, everyone knows they're going to vote either over here or over here. If they vote the other way, it's, whoa, what did I miss? That's a humorous sign of it and stuff. I, I sometimes go, man, if I was just him or him or her, it'd be so much easier up here. Because sometimes it is a challenge. It's a challenge with me and my thinking process. And I go, did I overthink that? Or did I worry too much about it? Or did I look too deep into it? Is it something that doesn't take that type of thought process? Many of the senators come from rural districts with an agricultural background. Occasionally, on Fridays in the spring, these rural members will be quick to hit the road and head back to the district, while some from the city may not understand the need for urgency. Can you speak to the importance of the spring planting season? When I came up here, I was still full-time farming, and since some of the inner generation in our farming operation has taken over, so I'm not, I don't feel quite as uneasy of not being home planning, but they're doing a very good job. First year I came up here, though, it was a 90-day session, and I thought, we'll be done at 5 o'clock most days. I can go home and plant till 9, 10, 11 o'clock, and then I'll have weekends. I still remember that first year I had about four to six days that I helped plant, and I thought, oh my gosh, during session, the amount of time you spend here, and especially late nights and different things, it's, it's kind of amazing. But since that, over the years, the younger generation, they've taken more of our farming operation over. Now I, I'm at ease. If I'm not home to plant, that's okay. They're going to get it done. I'm glad to go home and do some of that when I can. Through all of my life in farming, some of the times when you have more time to think is in the tractor cab or the combine cab. And you, you're just yourself there. You don't have no phone calls. You, don't have no, you have time to think. You have time to think through many of these issues. I've had some people ride with me sometimes when I'm doing that, planting or combining. And we've had some great discussions, especially just just the two of you. You don't have all this other stuff. When you are a farmer and you're up here, your lifeblood or your things that are important to you are still happening back home. Planting season doesn't say, hey, I'm waiting until you're done and then you can come plant and how critical it is and how time sensitive a lot of that is that you plant the crop when it needs to be planted so that the harvest can be there when it needs to be and how that little bit can make the difference on a farming operation between profit and loss. You have some of the most experienced staff in the building. How has the knowledge of an experienced staff helped you throughout your time as a senator? I remember one of the first bills when I ran, my wife had talked to me often about daylight savings time. And one of the first bills told her I would try to introduce something. Senator Breezy since has several times would be daylight savings times and talked to my staff about it early on. And Janet said, oh, you can introduce that bill, but it was introduced this year by a certain, certain senator and this year by a certain senator. Their knowledge of what has been the institution part up here, their knowledge of bills, their knowledge of this senator introduced that or that, it's invaluable. They will 
be able to tell me this bill was introduced by so-and-so back in the 2000 or something, and here was the concept or the thoughts behind that bill. That really helps you when you maybe have an interest in another bill or, oh, hadn't thought of it that way or that aspect probably will be brought out again, and how do we address that as we go forward with a bill? So that, that staff, very invaluable. I do know the other staff people in the Capitol look forward to some of their so-called, I call it meetings, they call them other things, and invite a lot of the staff in. And they try to keep a little bit lighter side sometimes to this, and they just enjoy visiting with people. Anybody who ever wants to stop in, don't plan on leaving right away. They will visit with you and keep you there. They're great. I appreciate it so much. Especially one of the things that really sticks out to me was that freshman senator part of it. Those first couple of years of learning, you know, after you've been here a while, some of these things you recognize or remember or see. But that very early on time up here in the Capitol, you're kind of walking around wide eyed and everything. And they are able to bring that a lot of that things that happen, the knowledge, the different aspects of being a state senator in the Capitol. That really was a calming effect for me. What subject matter did you feel you had the most expertise in when running for office, and how has that expertise changed once you got into legislative committee work? Well, agriculture, because I've been a farmer all my life, but also county government is is something that I, I figured I would be okay with that, but I didn't realize how that plays through the process up here because I was a county board member for eight years and that knowledge I had of how counties operate and how state operates. The other thing I've always liked, numbers or math, and being able to be on the appropriations committee has been something that I've really truly appreciated and enjoyed very, very much in the different details or all the different things that go into planning a budget. And this year really showed that to me in a way how we had three freshman senators on the committee. And I remember some of their same questions, some of their same comments. There's so much information, so much knowledge. After you've been here a period of years, some of that comes more natural. You remember some of those things or we'll be talking about a certain thing, should we fund it or not? And freshman senators, they don't have that history or knowledge that well, we're not funding it because this and this and this, but unless they ask that question or somebody talks about it, they don't get that understanding. Now, when they're here four years, hopefully they're very much more familiar with it too. So I just enjoy Appropriations Committee very much, enjoy the detailed talks we have. Well, I think some people think we throw a dart on a dartboard and that's how we fund stuff, but we don't. And the little details sometimes, we've argued 10, 15 minutes over a five or $10,000 deal and there might be a million or $2 million or $5 million thing and it's kind of all like we're all in agreement that yes, we need to fund that. Some of that is kind of amazing, but I really enjoy the Appropriations Committee and how through the process we work at coming to a budget and uh, bring it to the floor and then have the discussion on the floor. If you could bring only one bill for the next four years, but it was guaranteed 49 votes and no governor's veto, what bill would you bring? As I look at things and I've been up here, I, I've always had a fondness for programs that deal with funding for behavioral health and those types of things. I think as we as a state, as we look at things and as we deal with many of those issues that come about, we had some funding this year. We put 3% in for Medicare expansion or the hospitals. There was 10 of them in there. As we look at some of those things, to me, 20 years down the road, we'll look back and say, why does this costing so much? And we have that today. Why are these programs or why are those issues? Why is that cost where it's at? 
Many of those, if you really knew the background of it, it might be 5, 10, 20 years ago because you didn't fund it here or you didn't do something here. This is kind of the end result, and this is where we position ourselves as a state, and this is how we ended up there. But we look at more as things in time today. Oh, are we going to do this or not do this? I think we need to be COVID brought about mental health and all those types of issues, and where where and how could we develop a perfect plan for that? I don't think there's one out there. Well, there might be one out there, but I don't think we'll get there. I don't know if I could ever get 49 votes on some of those things. But those are those are things that when I came up here, I knew certain things, you know. But some of those other kind of details or some of those other areas, it's kind of amazing when you start learning about those and some of those issues. And also when you go to just back from an NCSL conference, when you visit there with other senators or other representatives, and it's amazing, you think your state has all of these. When you go there, many of them have the same issues, the same things, and you work through those processes. So yeah, it'd be amazing to have 49 votes. There's been a few of those, not too many bills like that, but thankful we have some of those. As a state senator, how do you juggle the responsibilities of the position while also balancing career and home life? Well, number one is it's, if you're married, it's your spouse, number one. And that and how you not only handle that or how they view things, and that is very important. It's it's family I don't understand, and I still I visit with them quite often, how some of the younger senators in the legislature and how they deal with their family even called somebody up yesterday and they go, well, I'm just at school picking up my kids. And I'm basically semi-retired or retired, so, you know, I have more time and more things I can do and uh, balance that better with also the whole life. But uh, for them, those kids are there all the time. How do you make time for them? And what do you do here and, and not there or there or not here to make sure that as they grow up, this is four years or maybe eight years of their life, that now you're that person. Although everybody generally has a job, but it's still some of the requirements it takes. That's a challenge. And as you kind of go through the years, you'll learn which ones may be yes. And I know some people told me, you just have to learn to say no. That I, first few years were hard. Now I've just, no, we're not going to do that. And that almost out of necessity, you learn to say no. After the 2021 redistricting, it is fair to say you have one of the more diverse districts in terms of rural and urban split. Can you speak to the makeup of your district and how representing such a wide range of constituents affects your approach as a senator? Something that took me a little bit to get used to is not so much from Gage County because I, when I was on the county board, kind of had good thought of what the, the makeup of that was. But Lincoln's been a little bit different because in, in one aspect, I'll visit with people and they know I'm a Lincoln state senator. I have some part of my district in there and then others will go, well, you're not a senator from Lincoln. District 30 has 10,000 plus people in Lincoln right now. Small part of their whole population, there are senators from Lincoln that have the whole district in here. I've tried to make more of an effort of, I need to go to there because I represent so many people out of Lincoln and, and I need to be able to be aware of those issues, those constituents issues and how Lincoln's dealing with things or how Lincoln's adapting. Lancaster County have a good relation with many of those on the board because they knew many of them beforehand, although that's in turnover too now. It is very diverse. The ag is always easy for me because I always love talking farmer stuff, but it's also city government, county government, some of their issues. Lincoln this year was brought forward with the water issues and how we adjusted some ARPA funds to come back in for that. I think that was very important that we did that. And Lincoln's growing a thriving community, but they have some issues different than some of the other areas of the district. Been trying to be very involved in that. I'm not from the city, but I still uh, love to go into their meetings and hearing some of their feedback back and some of their thoughts. 
If you were given an unlimited budget for one evening that could only be spent in your district, where would you go and what would you do? Uh, number one is we'd probably go out and eat somewhere because I love to go and try different restaurants. I don't know what wineries are all in my district. I should know, but I don't know. But uh, my wife and I, we love to go out and eat and have some wine. I love going to, I call it youth sporting events. We have grandkids that aren't quite old enough, but they're getting there. But love going to local high schools, visit with a superintendent last night from Beatrice and told him that we will be at the Beatrice Norris game. Norris is technically outside of my district, but many other people are in the district. So always love going to things like that. When your time with the legislature is finished and you're looking back on your service, what would you consider a successful tenure? To accomplish some things that were very beneficial for the state of Nebraska, to keep our economy strong, to help with those things so that the people in Nebraska are able to say he had a good term up there. Probably the number one thing, and that being able to be paid off this year was to be after six when I came up here. That was one thing that I knew about. 100% of it was going to be on property taxes, and we had some bills that helped fund that, but that thing's been paid off this last year, so we're, we're really, really thankful for that. But uh, just helping people, helping people so that some of their struggles and you know we hear about those struggles with this agency or that and helping them work through some of those so that people enjoy a better life in Nebraska and really I, I also like to tell young people as I visit with young people stay in Nebraska we have so much opportunity here we have so many things to do our cost of living other things we have one of the best places to live and I hope I help make that a little better and that we keep going the way it's going what is the best way for the public to communicate with your office? Either a phone call or an email, very much so. We have an answering machine, so sometimes I pick it up off there, but my staff is using there. But an email, we read every email. We try to answer most of them. There's a lot of the national ones that never answer or whatever, but they're interesting to read. Lastly, what are your plans for the remainder of the interim? The rest of the year, well, interim studies will probably be picking up. We're working on some of the interim studies now, my staff is, and uh, we have a couple that they're putting quite a bit of time in and trying to get some conversations going on that. If there are some bills out there, I would rather work on a bill now. These next couple, three months is I cringe always when somebody comes in January 10th and says, hey, we have a bill for you, because then I don't really know the history or all that of the bill. Getting ready for next session, well, in September, we're going to do quite a few meetings again, but also want to help combine, want to be be home when some of that's going on and be a part of that as much as I can. So we, we juggle all of those. That's all the questions we had. Thank you, Senator, for your time. Thank you.